You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. We are so delighted that you're with us this morning. I just want to acknowledge this is far from um, how we'd want to do this. We'd long to be together in person, but this feels like the next best thing. We get to worship to Jesus. We come together. We can encourage one another, challenge one another, and spur one another on. But what a season we're in. Have you noticed how many times phrases and words have started to be used just in the last month or so. I dare say as a family, we've got a number that I really hope you're not using, like, please don't poke its eyes. No, 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 don't drop it. Or honestly, if you do that, it's gonna get under the fence and we're probably never gonna see it again. Or please, please don't, don't squeeze them. Please don't squeeze them. We've, as you may have guessed, I hope, we've got guinea pigs and we've got two young children and our guinea pigs are getting an awful lot of extra attention in this lockdown season. But how many times in this season have you heard people use phrases like in this season or the word unprecedented or how many times have you heard people say unforeseen or global crisis or wash your hands, self-isolating, lockdown, two meters, distance, pandemic, panic buyers, contagious, save lives, save the NHS, stay home, flatten the curve, furlough, or how many times have you had a slight cough or just felt a bit warm and you've started to wonder if you've got it? Our thoughts have been guided by wartime metaphors or phrases that have influenced by carefully crafted public statements and phrases, simple phrases that can invoke a whole range of emotions and catalogue of memories. You know, if you said to me, even now, 9-11. If for so many of us, I'd say it'd stir up so many thoughts and reflections. I remember exactly where I was. I remember that the job I did at the time completely changed overnight, actually forever was different. Contained in just such a small word, just in a date is so much more. The impact of events that can change behaviors and social norms for a long time. Sometimes, they can be changed in helpful ways and at other times in ways that we'd kind of wish that maybe they rather they weren't changed in that way, but there's no going back. This, what we're going through now, there is no doubt what we're living through will have a significant impact on the days ahead. In many ways, there's no going back. It will change the way we do church. It will change the way people view church. It will change the way we work, the economy, how we relate our social, political, and economic landscape will have been redefined in the space so far of little over a month. And today I just wanna look briefly at how we're being prepared. It's no bad thing for us to be prepared for what is ahead, but also we believe the Lord wants us to prepare specifically as a people group and as a church. I guess there's a slight lean in some of what I say, into the prophetic, but our desire would always be to hear what the Father's saying and press in as hard as we possibly can with that, to find out what he's doing and to jump on the bandwagon as hard and as fast as we possibly can. Now, the joy, I would say, of learning to hear his voice is sometimes we get it right, sometimes less right, 
but overall the joy is in being obedient and seeking to follow him, knowing that all along we see and we hear in part, but we try and live out that part with everything we possibly can within us. Does that make sense? But I guess along the way there's no experts, there's no professionals, there's just humble believers seeking to be obedient, coming together to put our shoulder to the plow and to give it everything we've got. And in the vineyard, I say that as a collective, I guess we're, we're not better than any other. In fact, actually far from it. But it's important we realize we have a God-given mandate and we need to get on with it with everything within us and have no shame in doing that. For me, just I want to say forgive me if I'm slightly repeating myself to some of you, but you'll be aware there's a call and there's a mark on us as a church to very simply love Jesus and love Manchester. And when the Manchester bomb happened in 2017, we bought a VW camper van. In fact, actually, we didn't really buy a camper van. It would be more accurate if I said to you that people from all over the place, people from other vineyards, both nationally and internationally, businesses, friends, family members, all sorts of people from all over the city and far wider, gave to the vision that we had to put the living room of the church on the streets of the city. And by that, I mean, as a collective, we have an understanding of Jesus. We have a purpose and a provision in the community that we have together. And we need to be people that share that with the city around us. And it became a mechanism for us to provide love and care and move resources and support people in the city, not only at that time, but in the days ahead. And, and we have, and you have, you've joined us in that. It's not the only way we've done things, but it became part of our story. It was never a ministry, but it was just a tool to help us to serve people. Small, humble beginnings in many ways, doing what we could with the resources that we had. Now, so often, if I'm honest, I felt like Noah. I went a bit out on a limb, out to build a boat when there wasn't a flood that anybody else could see. Now, don't get me wrong. We have and we did use that van to love and serve others, particularly the marginalized and the vulnerable. We've used it regularly and we've used it in multiple different ways over the last few years. But goodness me, who could ever have foreseen the time that we're in now? Who would have ever foreseen the need for something like that ready to go? To allow us to do doorstop pickups and doorstop drop-offs, to have the space to sort stuff out, to have it sign written with our logo and Love Manchester on the time, at a time when movement is restricted to those serving as key workers, at a time when people everywhere are looking for a sign of hope and love and an anchor and a purpose. You know, this last week I was on a call to a counsellor who was trying to find some people who could do the sort of thing that we're doing now. They, of course, knew us through numerous different channels. Um, they'd come through the church route, they'd also come through the 422 route. But we are building links and a reputation through what we do and who we are. We are uniquely placed in many ways, yeah, to serve the church, but also serving the long-standing commitments and relationships that we've been building since day one have been here through Manchester citizens and things like the Children's Centre and schools and neighbourhood officers and local councils and reaching into some of the hardest um, impacted areas of this city. Reaching the needs of a community where well over 60% of them don't have a car. 
where over 50% of the children in that area, regardless of this virus, were already significantly impacted and living in poverty. So far in the last three weeks, we've been able to do over 50, well, around 50 drop-ups, mostly to families with children in significant need, but also serving some of you who found yourselves in really challenging situations in this time. The van is out collecting and delivering at least three days a week, and we, we're longing to increase that. We're picking up, as of this coming week, an extra 15 food provision packages that we'll need doing um, per week to Ardwick and Longsight, and we're working with Manchester City Council as of this coming week to do that. We've helped local councillors in creating websites and flyers and posters for the whole of Ardwick and Longsight. There's about 35,000 people in those two wards alone. Honestly, the need is massive. The individual stories of some of the people we've interacted with or known of that are struggling is heartbreaking. In this time, we'd love to invite you to join us. Can you invite your street to donate? Can you invite your work to donate? Can you invite your school to, do to donate? How can you personally be involved? We're building multiple teams, people to volunteer the shoppers, people to be van drivers. The van driving is a huge need. We'd love to build up to the capacity where we're out five or so days a week. People to email local businesses, working with donations, people to help us organize the stock. Of course, we're doing all of this in partnership with the council and many others, and we're doing all of this within agreed parameters that are safe and wise. But we want to and we long to step into the opportunities to serve others in this time. But what I want to speak out and almost say out is that I believe in the same way we're using the van, the way we got it in the first place felt like building the art. I've also used and felt the same language when I've communicated about 422. For those of you that aren't familiar with what that is, we're involved in a project with a building that is very close to our usual place that we meet on a Sunday seeking to bring a significant provision to the community in that area. This isn't just a van, but a permanent location, restoring not a building, but the heartbeat of a community. And I tell you one thing, there has been a spiritual battle over that building. And actually that doesn't surprise us at all. The Lord has so much to do in it and through it, but the needs in that area were great and they were great before the virus. And if anything, it's only significantly increased over the last few weeks, and, and it will do, more so and more so in the days ahead. And there is a need for us to be there with a kingdom presence, almost like watchmen on the wall. And that has been increased and heightened to an unbelievable level, more so than ever. We need to be there. We have to be alert and we have to be prepared we have to be poised and ready to pivot, to move in the direction that the Lord is calling us to. Steph and I, for the last few days of this week, have had a bit of time off. It's so important that we did that. We've run hard and fast over the past few weeks, and whilst we needed to, it's important that we just paused and reflected. So often in times like this, people can live constantly in crisis mode, but the reality is the crisis really is very much still ahead and we have to be prepared for what's ahead, not just to be caught in the moment of the now. For us personally, it's important and for our children 
that we paused and we reflected. We obviously didn't actually go anywhere. We just had a staycation camping in the garden. In fact, I wrote this talk camping during the night in a tent. Who would have ever imagined doing that? It made me laugh. I washed the car this week and the kids wanted to sit in the car while I washed it because it was such a novelty just to be in the car. But you know, the challenge of this pandemic is we aren't just leading through it, we're also living in it. And that for us brings its own challenges as well. So we have to be aware of the impact on us and the impact on our children and to help them navigate through this process before we can then respond to others. Does that, does that make sense? I guess the analogy I was thinking about is it's almost like you've got to fix your own oxygen mask before you try and help others with theirs. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying in any way we're in a bad place. We're not actually far from it. But it's just really important sometimes to pause. It's no bad thing to pause. We're also aware we have to prepare you for what is coming. Now, I've sought throughout this whole pandemic to be very cautious. I don't want to stir fear. We want to be people that press into facts. We don't want to move the conversation quicker than you as a church are comfortable with. But there is a tightrope. We are trying to think and we're trying to plan ahead, but also trying to ready you and steady you. Now, this will take time. This whole thing is going to last for quite a while. If you look alone at the churches in Italy, even when the lockdown is lifted, physical distancing could remain for quite a season, potentially until there's a vaccine. Now, I'm not trying to frustrate you by saying that, and I'm not trying to speculate, but actually to prepare us to respond with wisdom and to have ready feet and steady hearts for all that the Lord has for us in this time. You know, this last week while we were off, I watched a three minute video clip and I'm telling you it was three minutes because actually because it was firstly, but also I want you to know I didn't watch an hour long documentary on this. It was a rapid fleeting three minute clip. So please don't judge me for it. But anyway, I watched a three minute clip about potato farming. Now, honestly, who just judged me? I know some of you would, but I found it really fascinating. I love the engineering behind the machinery that was used. But there's this guy in Yorkshire, he's called Richard Bradley. He planted in two days over half a million seed potatoes that in this September will produce five to 600 tons of potatoes. Now, of all of the phrases you've heard used in this season, I bet the one you haven't heard is somebody saying like I am now, this is a potato planting time. It so, so is. This is a planting time. There is a huge thing coming in this next season. Needs are increasing. Life in many ways will never be quite the same again. It's impossible to predict the economic impact, but suffice to say, it's likely to be negative and quite substantial. Joseph Stiglitz, probably the world's greatest living and Nobel Prize winning economist, thinks that we're likely to face an economic downturn greater than the Great Depression in the 1930s. Now, I don't know if that's true. I heard the Chancellor saying some things this last week that had similar, um, it was a similar conversation and similar percentages, and I don't want to in any way be the voice of doom and gloom, because regardless, to be honest, it just is 
what it is. But it seems to me that if we think that a famine is coming, it is best that we start planning now for it. Now, I'm constantly humbled by the generosity of you as a church. You gave £22,000, over £22,000 to the Acts 2 offering in this season. We've already been from that able to bless the four international partners that I mentioned in Albania, Kenya, Austria and India. And we'll share more about that in the coming weeks. We could talk about money, but actually, that, because that is going to be huge and it will have a huge impact on this nation, in fact, on the world. But I don't want to get lost in that today because any time and any season like this actually has a huge impact on the lost, the last and the least, the most. They will be the ones that feel this the most. This virus and the ongoing impact will not hit everybody equally. You know, 422 was always about creating the living room of the church in the heart of the city in a more permanent way. If the van was a prophetic insight, if that was then, 422 is now, we are preparing the way for what is to come. This really is a heart moment. This is our city. This is our people. And we are called to be spent as a people on the most vulnerable. Never before has something like 422 been so critical for the long-term impact of an area. And we have to be prepared for what is ahead. The root of 422 has always been about eradicating child poverty. It will be many things for and to that community and we believe wider. The dream and the vision and the, the vehicle of the building will be so much more than just a few dreams and ideas that we had at the start when we heard a few whispers of the Holy Spirit encouraging us and telling us to get on with it. But what we do, what we say, and what we carry has never been more important. It, it, I mean, it always has been. It's just potentially us and sometimes the world around us doesn't always realize it. But it changes lives. We're not just seeking to be good and just help our neighbors. Anybody can do that. It's no bad thing, but anybody can do that. But we carry Jesus, the hope of the world, the light of the world. And we need to be prepared to walk in to what's coming. You know, last Sunday, on Easter Sunday, I heard a number of you reflect that you felt a shift. You felt a lift. There was hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I completely agree. I, I sensed that and I felt that and actually so much more. But let's remember that every day, every day is Easter in the kingdom of God because we're resurrection people. Jesus is alive today, now, living among us. Compassion isn't an area or ministry of the church. It is the church. The church isn't on furlough. In many ways, in fact, a lot of you are actually seeing an increase uh, moment in your lives, an increase in capacity, and you're able to give more and do more than ever before. Because it's not what we do, it's who we are. And we're so proud of seeing your response in this season because we're people that run towards some of the most pressing needs that we become aware of. Why do we do that? Because we are who he is. We are learning to reflect the nature of God. His heart is for the poor. And as we become more like him, we begin to act like him 
and we start to respond how he does and how he would. So we need to have spiritual vision, eyesight that are firmly locked onto a kingdom of God perspective in this time. Mark chapter 10 verse 21 says this, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told them. Go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus was saying to this guy, hey, there's some obstacles in your way of following me. Are there any that are in the way? Are there any barriers that fully prevent you serving me? A season like this is no bad time for a review, to strip things back and ready ourselves to go again. It shows and it proves to be, again, a reminder of God's heart for the poor, but also for us to actively engage in the challenge of understanding that, whether that's our money or whatever it might be. But in this particular passage, it's the challenge of, has money become a servant or a master? Because we need to have spiritual kingdom vision. As a church, we're seeking to be as generous as we can be in this time. Luke 14 verse 12, then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will, will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Spiritual kingdom vision, loving and serving, preferring others in this time, preferring those who are not able to repay us. We are to spend ourselves on the poor and the marginalized of this city. Proverbs 19.17, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Kingdom vision, kingdom spiritual vision, a heart chasing after the things that he's after, a heart for the poor. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Kingdom spiritual vision. The spirit of God is on us for this. We're equipped, we're empowered by the presence of God to do his bidding in this time. 1 John 3, 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Kingdom vision. Our hearts, the use of our time, our money and our possessions should have a natural overflow to love and serve those that can't repay us. Matthew 25 verse 40, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did this, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Kingdom spiritual vision. We serve those who have need. We do it with such a commitment, a drive and a passion as though we're doing it serving Jesus himself. Luke 6 38, give and you will receive, your gift will Return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. 
the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Kingdom vision. If we treat others generously, graciously, and compassionately, these qualities will come back at us in a full measure because we're reflecting the heart of God. We need spiritual kingdom vision. We're learning to reflect the nature of God, his heart for the poor. And as we become more like him, we begin to act and respond how he would and how he does. We need spiritual vision. Our eyesight needs a firm kingdom perspective in this time. Spiritual vision is really our capacity to see clearly what God wants us to do and see the world from his point of view. We need to be prepared for this next chapter with spiritual vision. You know, the object of hope is future. The experience of hope is present. And that present experience is so, so powerful. Hope is powerful. It's present power for us to be conduits of it, to give it away to others. It gives meaning to daily life, even lockdown, quarantine, stay-at-home life now. There's hope in it. Hope is present even in furloughed life. Have you, have you felt that? If you've been furloughed, has it rocked you, robbed you of a bit of your security, your identity, or your self-worth? Has it taken the gloss slightly off life, off your love of your job? Have you felt something slightly ripped from you? Hope is so powerful. It liberates from the fear and the unease of now and it empowers a love and a risk-taking sacrifice even in the now. We have to be prepared for what is ahead. We have to root ourselves in a kingdom mindset. We have to immerse ourselves in the truth of the gospel because the gospel isn't quarantined and it certainly isn't suspended. The way we come to know the glory of God in the Bible is similar to the way we know something like honey is honey. Science and technology may say that a jar contains honey because of various chemical experiments they could do, just in the same way that a Bible scholar can argue compellingly that the Bible is historically reliable. But most people are not scientists or scholars. We know that honey is honey because we taste it. In a similar way, there is a divine sweetness in the glory of God in the message of the Bible. It touches a part of us that we, we know has been put there by God. Psalm 119 says, How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. This is a real seeing and tasting time. This is a real thing. This is not make-belief. We gain spiritual vision, kingdom vision, by spending time embraced in the arms of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a time for us to press in. We can in these times, in the midst of this season, see and taste what is really there. Everyone, everywhere, in one way or another, is hurting. We need Jesus, his healing and his restoring presence, and we need to have maximum grace for each other. But Jesus is more concerned about our walk than our talk. He wants us to do right, not just say 
what we think is right. We cannot be separated from what we believe. It's why we have to prepare ourselves to be focused on Him and focused on loving those around us. Part of our spiritual vision is not just to lurch in a new direction, but to remind ourselves of who He is and what He said, and then redouble our efforts in the process. Because we're not driven, we're led. Let me kind of wrap this up and finish by saying this. There's an opening paragraph on our website. It's always been there. It's nothing new. But it says this. We are a group of people who want to seek out ways to do the stuff that Jesus did. We believe that a love for others and a desire to express that in practical ways is a natural byproduct of spending time with Jesus. We want to build a community that finds and understands the needs of the city and seeks to practically and compassionately respond to them. We want to be part of extending the hands and heart of Jesus to the city of Manchester and intend to be a church that gives a significant proportion of our time, energy and money to reach beyond ourselves and to help others. We are and we will be unrelenting in our pursuit of that. This isn't about a van or a building. If that's what you've heard or if that's what you're taking from this, please, that's not it. This is, I would say, once again, for all of us, a time and a season for us to be flat on our faces on a journey into faith as we write a story of hope in the next chapter of our story in this city and for the people that we love. We want to put the living room of this church in the heart of the community and always at a time when it desperately needs it. This, this really is just an opportunity. It's a springboard to serve. There will be challenges ahead. Absolutely, there will. There'll be painful twists and turns. Absolutely, there will. But we will always seek as best we can to place ourselves in faith rather than fear, in obedience rather than defiance, and in risk rather than in safety. Yes, absolutely, that is what we'll do. Because this is his church, his leading, his people, his city, and it's our submission to his lordship, trying to do everything we can for all people we can until he comes again or takes us to go back with him, whichever is soonest. It feels like to be prepared for this, we need to remind ourselves of what he's called us to and to go again. You know, if you were worn out, do you need to be refilled? If you were gripped by fear, do we need to loosen the shackles of that and let the truth set you free? If this has started to become something where you're finding your identity in something that is the wrong thing, it doesn't need to be like that because it's the realization of our weakness and in that that we become reliant on him and therefore become strong. If you've become disappointed or disillusioned, this is a time to go again and grab hold of perspective again and to choose hope. Now, I'm not trying to sweep under the carpet the genuine burdens that can be faced in a time like this, but equally his burden and his yoke are a lot lighter and easier than the ones that we pick up without realizing. I hope we'll be best prepared to be his people doing his business in this chapter of life.
you know, many of you will have seen last Saturday the uh, the Vineyard Legacy film, Bob and Penny Fulton and Carol Wimber, who were, along with John Wimber, were very much um, part of the founders of, of this movement. But if you missed it, you can catch up on it online on YouTube. It's well worth a watch. But uh, it was recorded last August, and Carol Wimber, as part of it, said this. She said, the Father is anointing us for this time. I've said what I have to say, and now I can die in peace. People in church everywhere adopt a posture prayerfully of receiving this because he, God, needs us in our place for what is coming. I'm not ex sure exactly what is coming, but I know it's coming. I know it's soon, and I know it's huge. It's going to be the whole thing, like nothing we've ever seen before. It's kind of scary and wonderful to think about it. You need to get in your place for what God has called you to and do it with all of your heart. It's going to be very, very important because no one else has been designed to do it like you will do it and you are the one he's called to do it and no one else will be able to do it like you were called to do it because we are really unique. Each one of us designed for our place is coming and it's going to be big, so huge, wonderful, but terrible. We need to be in our place so we can handle it because masses of people are going to be brought in. Now, reading and reflecting on that, having now realized what has happened, that is incredibly powerful to consider. But I want to encourage us this morning to take our place. You need to be in your place for this. We need to be actively prepared and engaged for what is coming. You are part of this body. As she said, it's very important because no one else has been to designed to do it like you will do it and you are the one he is called to do it and no one else will be able to do it like you are called to do it. You know, to be prepared for what is ahead, we need you to take your place. Why don't we just spend some time resting in the presence of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to invite Steph to join me as we do that this morning. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you.